0: Pandemic, world health crisis, quarantine, hand sanitizer, masks, social distancing, no school, no work, no restaurants, no extended family gatherings, and yes, no public worship services. This is the world in which we find ourselves today. Hi, I'm Pastor Mike Nadalco. I want to welcome you today to our online service, which we pre-recorded for you to enjoy this weekend. We're glad that you're here, and despite the fact that we find ourselves in this strange, weird, isolating, and even lonely situation, we can come together today in God's Word and find an answer for the situation that we find ourselves in. If you're a guest, I want to welcome you especially. Maybe you've been invited to, to watch this. You were surfing the web and you found this. You're like, oh, I'm going to see what they have to say. You're, you're welcome here, and we're glad that you're here. Stick with me. You'll find that this message actually speaks to the concerns and the worries and the fears that you have today. That God's Word and Jesus Christ Himself has a word for you today that I think you'll find to be relevant and meaningful and something that you can take home and apply and, and to help you to, as you manage this situation that we find ourselves in today. I just want to welcome you. And if and part of the, being part of the church is that. You know, we gather around God's Word, but also we gather together. So if you're from our community, from our our commuting area, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via the email, the website. You can call us. We'd love to know about you. So if you're new to the church, even though you can't come, you can still contact us and let us know that you're watching or you have any questions. We'd love to do that. If you live outside of our commuting area, but you're watching this just because you want to keep learning and growing even in the midst of, of your own social distancing, we're glad you can do that. But understand this, we would love for you to find a local church that you can connect with in this time. And if you struggle with that, contact us. We'll we'll help you to find one. But you're welcome to join us. But we believe that it's really important and vital that you have a local group of people that follow Jesus with you together. And so even if you're other parts of the country, of of the world, of our provinces, it doesn't matter. You're welcome to join us. But we'd love for you to find a local church that you can also get rooted and connected with. So today as we come to God's Word, we're going to find an answer and a solution and, and, and response to this COVID-19 situation that we find ourselves in. We've been looking at who is Jesus and the answer to that question. You see, everyone has an idea about who Jesus is. Uh, it's informed either from a Sunday school background from books that we've read. Maybe you've read articles in Newsweek magazine or Time magazine or McLean's magazine. Maybe you've read some of those Life magazines or National Geographic articles about Jesus. Maybe you've watched the Biography Channel, A&E, and you've you've kind of pieced together your own perspective on who Jesus is. But but everyone has a different perspective on Jesus. So how how do we know who Jesus really is? Well, today we're going to go to a first-hand eyewitness of Jesus Christ John, the apostle, the disciple of Jesus. John was part of that group of 12. And not only part of the group of 12, but he was part of the inner group, the the executive team of the disciples, Peter, James, and John. They were his closer group. And so John would write this book, which we call the Gospel of John. It's recorded in, in the Bible in the New Testament. And he gives us a picture of who Jesus is. And so today, as we kind of swim through the waters of of opinion about Jesus, we come to to, to the dock, which is John the Apostle. He says, here is my firsthand account of who Jesus is based on what I saw. John was with Jesus from the beginning. He saw his whole ministry. He saw him perform miracles. He saw him preach sermons. He saw him go to the cross. He saw the empty tomb, and he saw the risen Christ. He saw him ascend into heaven. And so later on, John writes this gospel and says, look, I want to tell you who Jesus is. I'm going to give you a comparative sampling of Jesus, some of the things he said, some of the things he did, and at the end, basically, my goal, John would say, is this, that you would believe in Jesus Christ, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. He's clear about his agenda. John's agenda is my agenda for you today. While you may have different ideas about Jesus, and you're welcome to join us as we journey in this discovery, and we're glad that you're here, understand that we believe that John's perspective is authoritative. This is God's word for and so we're giving him kind of the, the, the final word on, on who Jesus is. And he paints Jesus in this beautiful picture of, of here's seven signs that Jesus does. And he also records for us seven I am statements. Now, the I am statement is, is kind of a reference back to the Old Testament. When God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, uh, you know, Moses is like, well, who am I supposed to say is, is sending me? And, and, and he, God says to Moses, well, tell him I am is sending you. And so when Jesus says, I am, he is claiming to be God himself. Jesus would say in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. The one who believes in me will never be thirsty. He says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says in John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he'll be saved. He will come in, go out, and find pasture. He says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will never die. And here in John 14, verse 6 that we're at today, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in John 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine. These are the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ. And they reveal to us what John believes in. Jesus wanted you to understand about himself. That he is the one who can satisfy your spiritual longings. He can illuminate the path. He is the entrance to life. He is the guide through life. He is the source of life, and and our ability to produce fruit in our lives comes from our connection to him, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. But this passage we're at today in John chapter 14 begins with Jesus saying these, these words, Don't let your hearts be distressed. Don't let your hearts be distressed. Don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let this anxiety overwhelm you. And he's so, so he's speaking a word to his disciples back there in the first century that I believe is a message that we need to hear today in our current life circumstances. Don't let your hearts be distressed. It's amazing that this word written to us 2,000 years ago still has relevance for us today and i think disciples throughout the centuries have come back to this text in their troubling times and have found comfort in it just as i hope that you find comfort in the words of jesus christ today don't let your hearts be distressed why were the disciples distressed it's a good question you gotta understand the disciples have been on this roller coaster journey it starts back in john chapter 11 where Jesus has his close friends named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus is sick, and so they've they sent for Jesus because they've seen Jesus heal. Jesus, can you come? Lazarus is sick. And Jesus doesn't come. Jesus doesn't show up. Lazarus dies. And so they, they have a funeral for Lazarus. They wrap up his body with all the proper Jewish wrappings and, and, and spices, and they throw him in, in the grave. And, and then a couple of days later, Jesus shows up and like, Jesus, where were you? What happened? And then Jesus comes to the tomb and he says, okay, open up the rock. I'm like, what are you you doing, Jesus? Like, the body's starting to stink. And I'm gonna preach on this passage next week, but I'm just gonna give you the highlights kind of of what's leading to this point. And he calls forth and this is a spoiler alert. Lazarus comes out, and so he's, he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's a remarkable story, and so it's exciting. All the locals are like, can you believe this? I mean, we were just at his funeral. We saw them throw his body in the grave. We, we know, that, you know that this is all legit, and now he, here he is. He's coming out. He's got the grave clothes on, and, and you know, they're coming off, and he's shuffling along like a little penguin, you know, and they're like, I can't believe this. Super high. The Jewish leaders who had been in conflict with Jesus throughout the gospel of john are not happy about this in fact they're 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 downright angry and their idea is that they need to kill him it says in john 11:53 from that day they planned together to kill him so they go from like the hero of Of Bethany to suddenly the the fugitive and the you know the the wanted man and so they 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 escape to the wilderness so so they're up high they're down low and they're in the wilderness but the passover is coming and everyone jewish people converge on jerusalem in the passover and so so they're kind of anticipating what's going to happen at the passover and so six days before the passover jesus goes back to mary martha and lazarus's place and there they're having this meal together jesus is lying down they're all gathered around this table and Mary takes out this bar, this bottle of, of, of perfume. It would be very valuable. It's the kind of thing you just kind of took a drop of every once in a while, or you sold it if you needed money, in the, you know, in some crisis. But she basically pours this whole thing out on Jesus' feet and uses his hair and wipes his feet. And, and Judas is like, "What are you talking? What are you doing? You could have sold that. We could have given the money to the poor." And you know, and, and this kind of this weird. It's just a weird moment. Like, it's awkward, it's, it's smelly, it's, it's like, what is happening? Mary seems to understand what she's doing, Jesus understands what she's doing, no one else understands what's going on. And Jesus says to Judas, 12, 7, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. All of a sudden, like, what do you mean we're not going to have you? what are you talking about he's told them about what's going to come and he's alluded to it he's referenced it outright but the disciples just don't seem to catch it and so in the moment they're up high they're down low they're up high they're down low suddenly he's talking about burial he's talking about you're not going to have me and then and then ironically the next day he they enter they're going down to jerusalem and all of a sudden you know all the pilgrims with them begin to cut down branches and they find this donkey, and they put Jesus on the donkey, and they begin to say, Hosanna, Hosanna! This is next week, we're going to celebrate Palm Sundry. This is what's going on. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're waving their branches, they're putting down jackets, and, and it's like this exciting, exhilarating entrance into Jerusalem. If you've ever seen Jerusalem, you've got to go through this valley to get into it. And so it kind of, you would attract all the attention from both sides of the valley as you come down and as you come up, and everyone would see it, and it would just be been this, this noise, this this roar. And the disciples are probably all thinking in that moment, yes, this is it. Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem. He's going to zap the Roman garrison. He's going to you know, send burning sulfur upon all the you know, corrupt religious leaders. And then he, we're going to assume our positions on the throne next to Jesus, and we're going to rule over the nation, and we're gonna be, it's the glorious you know, reign of eternal messianic peace is going to start, and we're going to be part of it. And, and, and that's what they're expecting, and it doesn't happen. They get in, no one in the temple even stops their business. Jesus throws over a few tables and then, then leaves. It's just really weird, and so they're up and down, up and down. And then finally, it's the Passover. They're gathered together. And they're at the Passover, uh, they're in the table, and Jesus gets up and he puts on the towel.' like, what are, what are you, "What's Jesus doing? You see, normally there was a servant at the door that would wash the people's feet, but, but they just all came in together, they're all equals, and, and no one wants to wash each other's feet. So Jesus begins to wash their feet, and, and, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And Peter's like, "Let me wash your feet." And oh, you know, I'm, I need to do this as an example for you so that you'll know that you can be a servant, too. And then Jesus is getting distressed. He's, he's visibly upset, and the disciples are, what's going on with Jesus? And he's like, look, one of you is going to betray me. I'm like, what? Is it me? Is it him? Is it him? Like, who, who is it? You know, he's like, it's the one whom I dip the bread in. He dips the bread in, and he gives it to Judas. He's like, go do it, Judas. Judas takes off. And like, so, so, like, this is up and down. You know, Trail, And then all of a sudden he's like, look, where I'm going, you can't follow me. And Peter's like, I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And he's like, are you serious, Peter? You're going to deny me three times before the night is over. And What do you mean? So we've got betrayal. We've got denial. We've got, you know, Jesus leaving, burial, blah, blah. blah. And what is going on here? Who knows? Maybe you felt that way. As your employer calls you and tells you to stay home. As you, like me, got the email from the school saying, keep your kids at home as they've locked down facilities where our grandparents and parents live and we can't access them, and you wonder, what is going on? So you watch the stock market bounce up and down and the price of oil and all this stuff, we see things going on in the world, and you wonder, what is happening here? Maybe you feel the same way, and Jesus, in that moment, speaks to the disciples like he speaks to us and says, don't let your hearts be distressed. You believe in God, believe also in me. That could also be translated, trust in God. Trust also in me. Look, we we got this. And and in that verse, verse 1 there, trust in God, trust also in me, Jesus again is is saying this. Look, if you trust in God, you're trusting me. If you trust in me, you're trusting God. We are the same. I'm God, the Father is God. Now for a Jewish person, this was a struggle because you always believed God was this transcendent, all-powerful, Unapproachable deity, the Creator, the Almighty, the the Lord of Hosts, the God Most High, the, the you know the exalted one, and so and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and says, "I'm God. Here I am." And they're like, "What do you mean? You look like us." God is this unapproachable, holy, majestic being and that, that person, and and here you are saying you're God. I mean, the, the, even the disciples who saw Jesus would have struggled with this, but understand Jesus saying, "Look, you're looking at me. You're looking at God. You're talking to God. You're talking to me." We, Believe in God, believe also me. Trust in God, trust in me. Look, we've got this under control. He says to them in verse 2, there are many dwelling places in my Father's house. Otherwise, I would have told you because I'm going away to make ready a place for you. And if I go and make it ready a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that where I am, there you may be too. And you know the way to where I'm going. He said, look, something needs to happen before we can enjoy eternity together. I'm going to take care of that right now. And after that, we're going to enjoy eternity forever. Jesus promises to take care of us, to look after us. Maybe you might have memorized this in an old translation if you're a church person. It's like, you know, in my father's house are many mansions, and you always think about this great big white mansion that you're going to have in heaven. And and that's not really what he's talking about. What he's saying is there is abundant room for everyone and anyone who wants to believe and follow Jesus. There is never a no vacancy sign put up in the dwelling place, the eternal dwelling place of God. There is enough room for everyone who wants to join his family. Always. Always. Jesus promises to take care of it. He said, look, I'm taking care of it. Now for the disciples, this would have been the greatest fear to say, we've been following you for three years, Jesus. You've looked after all of our needs. We, we just have trusted in you and suddenly now you're leaving. What are we supposed to do? He's like, look, don't worry. I will look after you. I will provide for you. I, but, but in the end we're going to end up in the same place forever and ever and ever together. I need to do this in order for that to happen. I am going to take care of it. A few years ago we found ourselves in a situation where we We're sponsoring a student to come to Canada. I'd met her family in Russia. Her dad had passed away, and I'd gone back to teach another class with this group of churches. Her dad was the bishop in the region, and and this young Russian girl had studied English. and and So I suggested to her. I'd heard that there was a scholarship in, in Saskatchewan. I said, "Why don't you apply for that scholarship?" We'll be your sponsor family. We'll look after you, you know, we'll, and you can study the Bible. And she thought, what a great idea. Right now, understand, I, it was a, just a great idea at the time. I wasn't thinking about all the implications that came with this great idea, especially being the sponsor family. I've got four young kids. We're, you know, kind of living year to year, you know, <laughs> getting by like most young families, you understand what I'm talking about, are. She's got to jump through several hurdles to get to this point. She's got to, first of all, get the scholarship. Secondly, she needs to pass a medical exam. She has multiple sclerosis. Three, she has to get the student visa from the Canadian government. So, I mean, big, major hurdles. But I'm like, what a great idea. Who knows? I guess if God's will, it'll happen. I'm kind of trite about it. But lo and behold, she she gets offered the scholarship. And and Miller and I have this understanding. They're like, look, tuition and room and board are covered, but everything else needs, you are the sponsor. You need to take responsibility for that. Okay, absolutely, I will take responsibility for that. The, The medical exam, she passes it. Now we're just waiting on the student visa. Lo and behold, she gets it. And suddenly we're like, okay, now we have to get her here. We have to set her up for college. We have to, you know, and, and it was, you know, part of this reality. Now, understand, in order to get the, the visa, the the mission agency that I worked with had written a letter saying, we will look after her, but the gentleman's agreement behind the scenes was me and Al Vincent, the director, saying, look, Al, if... if I will take responsibility for anything that happens to her while she's here in Canada. So we were, we were her, her sponsor and responsible for everything except for tuition and room and board. And so suddenly now, we had to take care of her. So together with my wife's sister and her husband and my in-laws, we flew over here. And we went shopping for her. and We got her set up for college, bedding clothes, winter clothes. She grows, she's in Southern Russia, which is like Northern California. She doesn't have clothes for Southern Saskatchewan. So we need to go buy winter jackets, long underwear, boots, you know, everything, you know, and toiletries, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, suddenly, you know, it was a much bigger expectation and, and that I had to follow through that and I realized, but, but I promised to take care of her of She gets on the plane trusting that when she lands here, these people in Canada will look after her. And we had to. And Jesus says, look, if you get on with me, you're trusting that I will look after you in my way, in my timing, and I will. And I can. I have the ability and the capacity to do so. So trust me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do do, do you believe that Jesus can look after your situation? I'm I'm unemployed. I'm on EI. I I don't know what to do with my kids. I've graduated early. what What does that mean for my college next year? Can Jesus look after your situation? He promises here and says, don't be worried. Trust in me. I've got it under control. Now understand, this relationship was both ways. We traveled to Russia as a family in 2013 and we got to know her family and they became like our second family. We, we derived a greater benefit from this than I think she did. I mean, it was, it was mutual. And, and Jesus says, yeah, I'm giving you something, but as a result, as you come into my family, you, you discover something greater. You discover you become part of a broader family. This is why, even in COVID-19, we can't stop reaching out to each other because God brings us together, not as individuals, but as, as, a, as a family, brothers and sisters, together. And Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. You, you've got this. But then Thomas says in, in verse 5, he's like, yeah, look, look, I don't know the way, Jesus. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I don't get it, Jesus. He's, Thomas is basically like, Jesus, I haven't, could, could you show me the map? Could, could you show me the, the, you know, how to travel, what, what the milestones are, what the distances between points are, Jesus, I just didn't know. If you could lay that out, and Jesus is like, look, look, Thomas. John 14, verse 6. Jesus replied, I am the way, and the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is everything we need. And first and foremost, he's the way. Now, the, the problem is sometimes we want the roadmap. You know, religions provide roadmaps for you. Maybe you, you grew up in a religious environment. Maybe you come from a different religious tradition and, and you had sort of points that you need to follow. You need you know, des- points, you know, Mark's along the journey, and you were told you got to do this, do this, do this, follow this, follow this, follow this. And, and, and Jesus comes along, and it's like, no, no, no. It's not about the map. It's about having me as your guide, as, as the way. I will lead you. You know, when the Israelites left Egypt and went to, to the promised land, God didn't lay out for them, here are the points, here are the compass points you need to follow in order to get to the spot where I want you to be. He simply said, I'm going to go with you. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, when I, when I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. When I move, all they needed to do was stay near God and they were fine. And Jesus is like, just get me into your life and I'll take you where you need to go. Here in this life and forever into eternity. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. Jesus says, I am the way. I grew up as a kid. We spent... 5 years at a bible camp so I loved wandering around the bush. And sometimes when you go into the bush when you're not following a trail you think you're going straight but then you you end up finding finally finding something familiar you realize you've been wandering in this large semicircle. We went to this cliff once me and my friend and it was just we, we got to the edge of the bush and we could see the cliff. And we're like, hey, we'll just head up here and we'll hit the cliff. And we, we went up, and suddenly we were way over here, and then we were going to go home. We, we could see the bottom. Or, okay, let's just go straight and we'll end up right at that spot. And we started going straight and straight and straight. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, we f- I found this path. We'd been wandering in this like w- one and a half mile long semicircle. And finally, it was this cut line that I recognized from my motorbiking time at the camp. I'm like, hey, wait a second, I know this path. It leads right to my house here. And okay, and if you take this road, it'll take you to your house. But we had been wandering without a path. And this is what happens when you don't have Jesus. You're wandering without direction, without a way. You're trying to figure out your own way through, and you're getting lost. And Jesus says, I am the way. If you have me, you'll have the destination. And you'll have the accompaniment on the journey. Jesus is the ultimate GPS. He never gives you the wrong directions. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus is also the truth. And these three terms, way, truth, and life, are tied together in John's writing here as equals. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. The one challenge that we find ourselves right now with COVID-19 is is, who is giving us the truth? Where do we find truth in all this? And understand, I was doing some research in in 1918 and the influenza epidemic of 1918. They had the same problem. No one was giving people accurate facts of the situation. I mean, we we had five. There were 500 million people affected over the period of that pandemic. Anywhere between 17 and 50 million people died. The World War One was going on. It was a horrific time. But people weren't giving people the truth. Like, oh, it was just a normal flu. And then all of a sudden, you do be on the street and you see your you know your neighbor, your buddy, you know, suddenly bleeding from the nose or bleeding from the ears or bleeding from the eyes. It was really horrific. And people began to get you know scared. And 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 the problem was they didn't know who they could trust. Maybe you feel like that today. As you watch the news, as you read the reports online, you're like, well, what is the truth? Can I go out? Can I not go out? Should I go shopping? Should I not go shopping? Uh, You know, can I visit this person? Can I not? I mean, and you're wondering, you know, what is the truth? What is not the truth? And, and, And here in the midst of the world in which Jesus lives, and John records for us, he's saying that Jesus is the truth. He is reliable and dependable. He's the supreme revelation of God, and he's the ultimate interpretation of everything. We can trust in him. I am the truth you're going to get a lot of messages about COVID-19, and I don't have any answer for you. But when it comes to the bigger life picture that we live in, Jesus is the answer. He trumps COVID-19. He trumps the bubonic plague of the Middle Ages. He trumps the pandemic of, of 1918. I mean, bad things happen. We live in a sinful world, but Jesus says, I come to you and I bring you words of truth and of life. You can count on what I say to be reliable and trustworthy. And John has given us multiple examples throughout his gospel of, 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 of how Jesus is trustworthy and how his word is true and his word brings life and, and healing and wholeness and, and restore, restoration and freedom. And, and he's like, look, I am the truth. You've been following something in your life. You've made up your own truth. And that's what most Canadians do. It's like, I, I kind of believe what I want about things. And Jesus comes along and says, look, I define truth. If you want the trustworthy answer to life, you need to trust me. You need to believe in me. You need to filter it through me. Jesus is the truth. You don't get to decide what is true. And that's the thing about, you know, who is Jesus? I mean, there's lots of opinions, but, but I think we come back to God's word and to the people that spent time with Jesus, and I think they get to say the final word on who Jesus is, and Jesus himself says the final word of who he is. He's like, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I was at the bank. A few years ago, this lady, tell her, young lady's working there, she had her, her name badge on, and underneath it was this kind of Sanskrit kind of little squiggly lines. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What is that? Well, she's like, I, I also speak Farsi. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, she's from Iran or Persia, you know, and, and we had a conversation, finds out she's, she's Baha'i, right? And so we're conversing. I'm like, oh, well, what, what do you think about Jesus? She's like, oh, wow, Jesus, great teacher. He taught a lot. Wonderful moral example, right? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I said, you know, don't, don't you find Jesus to be, you know, a little bit narrow? I mean, he made some pretty crazy claims. For instance, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like, he was so exclusive. And, you know, of course, she's like dealing with my money. Not a good idea to have a, a discussion like this with your banker when they're dealing with your money. But anyway, she's dealing with my money. I'm like, oh, no, she's going to make a mistake. I'm going to lose some money here. But who cares? Whatever. She, she was visibly jolted. She like, didn't know how to answer this question, right? Because she had heard something about Jesus. And now I'm kind of undermining her assumptions about Jesus based upon Jesus' own words. You see, the truth cuts underneath all these assumptions and these superstitions and these ideas. And and Jesus, look, I am truth. And we need truth. I mean, the the reality is, as I read this article about the epidemic of 1918 was if if the government would have just told the truth, people could have dealt with. And this is what our government's trying to do. This is why we need to pray for our government because they need to work with true facts and to deal with the situation as best they can. But of course, people are struggling and and, and the deeper issues of life that that, that I'm talking about here transcend COVID-19. This is about about, about your purpose and about your future. What happens after COVID-19? What happens beyond that? And in the world to come, what happens? And Jesus says, look, I've got that taken care of. He is everything we need. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. If you were here a couple weeks ago, and if you weren't, but just bear with me. John 10:10. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. This is the abundant, overflowing life. This is spiritual life. This is life on the soul level. Many of us right now we're we're worried about bios life on the surface level. Do I have food? Do I have water? Do I have toilet paper? Ha ha ha! Do Do I have everything I need? Right? I mean, but but Jesus, like, look, look. I understand that, but I'm I'm talking about deeper life issues, and this is one of the realities of COVID nineteen is. As people, yeah, you might have enough food, you might have enough toilet paper, you might have enough, you know, Netflix, you know, subscription to watch, you know, binge watch, but, but your soul begins to waste away in isolation and loneliness. And Jesus says, I want to bring something to that gnawing in your life. I want to fill that gaping hole. Maybe as you've been away from work, you realize, boy, I sure put a lot of time in that place. And I put a lot of my life into that place, but but is that really where my life is? And as you're working from home, you're realizing that there's other blessings and other relationships and other connections that are bringing you value that you didn't realize were there. And Jesus is now speaking to your soul and and to the deeper part of your your being, and he's saying, I want to meet you there. And that life is a relationship You and I share, Jesus says, this is life to know me and and, and to know God and and to having this relationship. And it starts here, and I'm gonna carry you through COVID, through influenza, through the bubonic plague, through whatever life spends your way, natural disasters, economic ruin. It doesn't matter, because if you got me, that's all you need. That's kind of simplistic, I know. It doesn't always pay the bill that shows up out of the empty bank account that you're looking at online. I, I get that doesn't always take away the fear you have of getting sick if you have a weakened immune system. I understand there, there, there's concerns in this world, but Jesus says, look, I, I want to go beyond just surface, and I want to get you at the deeper level. And Maybe in this time of isolation and quarantine and social distancing, you've had time to think about your life, and you're like, man, like I, I am going to reorder my life, and, and, and now Jesus says, let me be a part of that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I mean, in COVID 19, we are redefining life as we know it. I've never experienced anything like this. It's the weirdest thing. But I know this that Jesus and what he provides for me gives me an anchor in the midst of this uncertainty. He helps me to find that peace and and, and the ability to not let my heart get troubled in this circumstance. Some of you maybe need to turn off the TV. Stop spending so much time looking at the news. Uh, just phase away from that world screen with all the red on. I mean, I mean, some of you can handle it, but if it's just bogging you down, just turn it off. Open up your Bible. You don't have a Bible like Katie said in the announcements? We'll get you a Bible. If you live with, you know, email us. We'll deliver to your door. Read the Bible. Go on to Right Now Media. Listen to some good messages. You know, watch some biography or some, you know, National Geographic. I mean, whatever, but just... Get away from this, because Jesus is like, look, look, I'm, I'm looking after you. I, I got you. I'm everything you need. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You see, without the way, there's no going. Without the truth, there's no knowing. Without the life, there's no living. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Some people think that all roads eventually kind of lead to the same place, it's one big mountain. and if, you know, Whatever you're doing, as long as you're a good person, blah, blah, blah. But Jesus comes down, and he's extremely narrow here. He said, look, this is it. There's one door right here. I am it. If you want access to the eternal glory that exists with the Father in heaven, you need to come through me. I am honored today to just to say to you that you can have that today if you don't have it. You can believe in Jesus Christ and have the way, the truth, and life, here and life forever with the Father when you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for your sins and rose again. That is life. Some of you need to start that journey today. For our church family, believers out there that are watching this, this is a message that you need to share with your friends. Either... Via sharing this link, or you just personally having this conversation, but say, "Hey, what do you think about life? I mean, what, how does this how has this reordered your perspective on life? And do you understand that that having a relationship with Jesus kind of transcends all of this and enables us to to navigate this stormy season of life in which we're in? And and He is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you have Jesus, you you, you can find a way through and purpose and a hope for your future, forever, with Him. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I encourage you today. You can go on a website. There's also a little link there which says, you know, how, how, to, how to start up a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us know. If you've made this decision, you can say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I receive you as my Savior. I believe you are the Son of God. You died for me. You rose again. I want to experience this life. You will become his child. You will enter his family. You will become part of, of his eternal kingdom and home. That place he's preparing, he talks about, you, you've got a place there now. You can come to and know Jesus Christ. If you've done that today, you tell us. If you've got a friend that needs to hear this, send it to them. We want this. This is an important message in the midst of COVID-19 that, that there is a way, there is a truth, and there is a life that can that can that you can hang on to, cling to, and, and, and guides you through this season of uncertainty, unrest, perplexity, anxiety. Jesus is it. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're a religious person from a different background, I know this might feel offensive i'm not trying to offend you Uh, jesus and god god loves you he sent jesus to be our savior and you may need to reevaluate just what where you came from and and how jesus fits into that but understand he he makes an exclusive claim here but it's open to everyone and anyone Uh, you might have a horrible background you might have made a lot of mistakes in life, and you're like, man, I've got bad habits, I've got addictions, I've got this, I've got... Jesus is willing to meet you where you're at and forgive you and begin a new life with you today. And so maybe that's the message you needed to hear today. That There's hope for you. There's a future for you with Jesus. There is a way through. There is truth in Jesus that you can just anchor into. There is life in Jesus that you've been missing all these years. And I encourage you today to come to him, to believe in him, to rest in him. And if you've made that decision, please contact us. We'd love to just encourage you, come alongside of you, help you as you journey forward. This is why we as a church exist, is to share this wonderful message with our community and with our region. And to encourage others across the world as they share this message. And we partner with other churches in our community to share this good news about Jesus. that I've, he, There's a way, there's truth, and there's life, and it's in Jesus. So as you navigate this strange, weird season of your life, anchor into Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God believe in me, I will take care of it, Jesus says. And that's my hope and prayer for you. I'm going to pray with you, and then we're going to end this recording. You can turn it off and just share with one another or contact us or whatever you'd like to do. But but let me pray as, as we close, as our focus on God's word together. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word, which speaks a living message to us today. I pray for anyone that's listening to this video that doesn't know you, that today that they would surrender their life and believe in Jesus Christ today. That they would discover the life that he offers to them and to all of us. And Lord, would you show us people that we could share this truth with even in the midst of COVID-19. We pray for wisdom for our government officials, for those in the health departments, for those in the school systems, and the justice departments, and all those who have to make decisions regarding the, the general populace. Lord, they need your wisdom. Would you guide them? Would you help them to make wise decisions? And would you give peace to the families here in Minster, in our provinces, in our country, and in our world, Lord? Help us to not let our hearts be troubled in all of this. And help us to reach out to one another, Lord, in love and caring concern as we walk through this strange season. But we know that we can trust in you through this. And so we praise you. In Jesus' name.